Hey everyone, welcome back to the More Plants Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here listening in today and to get to spend this time with you. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing some beginner tips and suggestions and practices that can be really helpful when you're first getting started on this journey to eating more plants, to going vegan, to making as many plant-based choices and animal-friendly choices as you can. And today we're going to be covering some of my favorites. This is all for you beginners, but I have to say that when I finished writing this episode, I kept thinking about how much these tools continue to help me to this day and have helped me stay vegan all of these years. And some of them are so simple. Some of them are truly something you do in the very beginning and then it just becomes second nature. But they have helped me keep this little train going. So although today's episode is especially for you if you're a beginner, you might get a ton out of it if you're a seasoned vegan as well. Hi there, and welcome to More Plants, a vegan podcast by Bramble that helps you start, continue, and enjoy eating plant-based for your health, the animals, and the planet. I'm Kim Sujawalski, your host and certified plant-based cook and educator. In this podcast, you'll find all the practical tips, resources, and support you'll need to make your journey easy and sustainable, no matter where you are along this path. To learn more about our online courses, recipes, and blog, visit bramble.com. And now, let's dive into today's episode. It was over a decade ago when in January, after a few failed attempts at giving veganism a try, I finally decided to watch what happened to animals in our food industry, boosting, and I mean boosting my motivation and turning this change in my eating habits into one of the best decisions I have ever made in my life. It is not only about my eating habits because I did a total revamp of all of the many weird places in which animal products and things and places and and situations and forms of entertainment where using animals just seeps into everything. And I made lots of changes in my life. But of course, the changes in my eating habits, I think, were the most contrasting to the way I was living my life before. When people who are just getting started on this journey ask me where they should start, I always like to do a little digging into their own motivations for making this change, into their own story with food. Because the truth is, I could fill an entire podcast with tips and practices, and it's basically what this podcast is all about. And still, one person might need something completely different to another, even though the goal is similar. It's very important to mention before we get started with the practical tips that veganism or the choice to go vegan extends well beyond the plate. If you've listened to our previous episodes, you know that I always bring it back to the animals because it was my own motivation for making this change. For me, going vegan encompassed so much more than just switching ingredients. It was about seeing all of my consumer habits and a way of seeing all of my actions through that filter of wanting to help animals in the best way that I could. The food, however, was and I believe still is the main focus point and sticking point for most people. Since it's not only a part of our day, but also the place where our 
sort of Venn diagram will collide most often with that of our loved ones. It's the activity most of us share most often with the people around us. And it's also where we have to make the most purchasing decisions. And of course, you know what my background is. I'm here to help you with the food aspect as much as I can, because that's my area of expertise apart from all of the lifestyle aspects, because we've been helping people make this change for over eight years now since we started Brown Bowl. So although veganism isn't only about the food, when people I know in real life or our students ask us for support, it's always in relation to the food and experiences with others where food is present. This is 90% of the time where questions lie. When people ask me where or how they can start, understanding a bit more about them can be hugely helpful. To someone who has struggled with food in the past, for example, with disordered eating, and they are very motivated to help animals, I start by giving suggestions on how to make different choices in aspects other than food, like activities done for entertainment, not including animals, like exploring new brands of cosmetics that aren't tested on animals or include animal products, like buying clothes and accessories that don't use animal skin or fur. Or I'll talk about adding in some vegan meals without taking anything out until they're ready to do so or their team of health professionals thinks they're ready, if they're ready to do so. If someone is more about their interest in food because they don't like to cook animal products and are starting to learn about the problems within animal agriculture, I'm of course going to start by recommending some recipes. If someone is concerned about their health, but perhaps they haven't learned about the repercussions of these industries to the environment or animals, I might start with some practical cooking aspects, meal building tips, and recommend resources that will help them see all of the wonderful effects this new diet will have on animals, as I think this only strengthens people's commitment to eat more plants, makes them stick to a way of eating that is slightly different to the way they ate before. It might help them to learn about the environmental aspects of veganism. And so I will maybe look at it from this angle. If someone is all about the animals, has seen every piece of footage out there and is struggling, I'll start by talking about the social aspects of being vegan, navigating how they might feel now after seeing all of the things they've seen and having to live in a world surrounded by loved ones who might eat differently and how that is seeping in at the same time as you were uh, as you let all of the other new information seep in and you have this huge conflict and you also want to stay sane and be happy and be surrounded by your loved ones if someone tells me they've tried to go vegan five different times and they've failed or they've taken steps back, they've gone back to eating animal products, I'd go into what happened for them. I'd ask a lot of questions and I perhaps try a more gentle approach that takes everything that makes up their life into consideration. Every time with every person, the recommendations and resources vary greatly. The tips I might give to someone will vary greatly if they eat meat at every meal or they already eat and love vegan foods, but they still eat animal products, or they've never really liked vegetables, or they come from a family of hunters. <laughs> when I give people beginner tips, I try to focus on the sticky aspects that I've seen most people struggle with or need. The things, I don't know, I wish I'd known when I went vegan, most often relating to food. 
the practicalities of cooking, the practicalities of eating out and how to deal with sharing your life with omnivores. You know, years before I went vegan, I had read Alicia Silverstone's The Kind Diet and Mark Bittman's Food Matters and Everything Vegetarian. I had tried some recipes and I loved them. I had read about some of the issues. Then I craved animal products, ate animal foods. A few weeks in, my efforts dwindled and then I went back and then I decided to give it another shot. It's in some of the bumps in the road that I encountered the first time or the first couple of times and the great habits I put in place, the time when it stuck, (laughs) the big sort of second time around, or maybe it was the third time around that I hope to center today's episode on. I don't want to make everything in regards to veganism about the food because it's not only about the food, but it's where most people have questions. It's the issue that brings up most issues because it's what we do most often. Remember throughout this episode that this is all about the journey. It's not about a pass or fail test. In fact, I shouldn't have even said when talking about people who have tried this a few times, I shouldn't have said tried and failed because when you keep wanting to try it again, that's not a failure. That's just a part of the process of having a setback and wanting to continue and figure out a way to make it work. So it's not a pass or fail test. It's not a destination you reach, a place you get this very pretty badge at, and then you're done, never to have setbacks or struggles ever again, never having to adjust or readjust and keep going. It's always a journey. That's what I always say. Meaning you have to reconnect with your values and the reasons that motivate you every day. You recommit to this change every day in whatever way works for you without a focus on perfection, without a focus on purity, no matter what setbacks you had yesterday. It's all about that kindness filter that I've been talking about through the podcast. So let's get into those tips, shall we? And before we do, here's a note from our sponsor for today's show. This episode is brought to you by our online course, The Roadmap. The Roadmap is an online course that will help guide the way if you're newly vegan, thinking of becoming vegan, or wanting to take more steps in this direction. Module by module, we take you by the hand through every step, covering topics like finding your motivation and having the right mindset when making this change, to how to build a nutritionally balanced plate, how to shop, prep, stay on budget, plan your meals, travel, get organized, and navigate every social situation as a vegan and so many others. There is no stone left unturned and we do it all with that approach you love so much in which missteps are welcome and there is no such thing as perfection. And of course, it includes the most delicious recipes and menu ideas. There is so much more included in this course. So head on over to brownwell.com forward slash the roadmap to watch our video trailer, to see the full list of modules, lessons, and recipes, pricing, and more. Again, that's bramble.com forward slash the roadmap. Now on with the show. My first tip sounds extremely simple, but it really is the first tip I give people. And it's to start with the easiest swap. And the easiest swap is non-dairy milk. Out of all the tips I could give you, I always start with this one for two reasons. Number one, Plant-based milks are delicious and readily available these days. They are miles away from the non-dairy milks I tried when I first went vegan. Now we've got oat milk, almond milk, soy milk, rice milk, hemp milk, hazelnut, 
coconut, the list goes on and on. And I want to encourage you to try a few types and a few brands within the type that you feel you like the most until you find the one you love. Once you've found it, it's going to be as easy as buying your favorite brand at the store with no additional effort. I highly, highly recommend getting a brand of non-dairy milk that is fortified with calcium because that way you'll ensure some of your calcium needs are being met in the same way you used to get it met before you went vegan. And you'll be learning lots of nutritional tips through the many resources I share of how to incorporate more, but it's a place where we're used that we it's an ingredient we're used to having. So make sure to use it as that vehicle for calcium within your diet. The second reason why I start with this tip is it will help you understand the simplicity of the kind of mindset that really helps you stick with a big change like this. And it's that eating a vegan diet, and I'm here, I'm talking only about the diet, is really all about the swapping of an animal-based ingredient for a plant-based one to make the same delicious, comforting, classic favorites you've always enjoyed, maybe some yummy new recipes you've never tried, maybe some new ingredients you've never tried, and ways of cooking too. But that's really, when you get down to it, that's what it is. When you see it as a simple swap of ingredients, it becomes easier, simpler, more attainable. And we notice that the difficulty or huge challenge we had in our minds surrounding veganism is mostly a preconception, one that we'll be dismantling, thank goodness, as we get comfortable and familiar with all of these swaps and they become second nature. And we immediately spot what we want at the store and add it to our baskets without a second thought. Now, my second tip is to write a list of what I call the vegan regulars. And I want you to stick it to your fridge or your cupboard or you keep it in the notes on your phone, any place where you're going to easily find it. What are vegan regulars? A bean burrito is a vegan regular. Spaghetti with tomato sauce is a vegan regular. A three bean chili is a vegan regular. A delicious berry or green smoothie is another regular. Pita pockets stuffed with falafel, tahini sauce, crunchy vegetables, or tabbouleh salad. That's another vegan regular. Vegan regulars are the vegan by default dishes that everyone, including non-vegans, love and eat. This will give us quick ideas for meals and also serve as a reminder that vegan food is normal food that every single person has had vegan food. And we can start where we already are with what we already know as traditional and something that will feel familiar is something that maybe the people around us will easily recognize as something they've enjoyed before. As you get familiar with new recipes and meal ideas, add them to your list. Use it when creating your shopping list for the week and planning your meals for the week, and you'll get instant inspiration with that simple list on your fridge. Now, do you want more ideas of vegan regulars or easy vegan meals that people are familiar with? You can make a veggie burger, serve it with all its fixings and your favorite type of fries. You can make a Buddha bowl with some kind of grain and lots of veggies to top, some legumes, tofu, tempeh, or your favorite vegan meat alternative, and top it with a sauce or a dip you like, something like salsa, guacamole, sesame ginger dressing, or anything you love. Oat porridges topped with fruit in the morning are vegan regulars. Apple slices and peanut butter or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or cut up raw veggies and hummus. These are all vegan regulars in the snack department. Fresh salads with 
lots of toppings. They can be raw, they can be cooked. These are vegan regulars. A mushroom risotto made with vegetable stock, another one. Noodle and veggie stir fries, another vegan regular. Veggie sushi is a vegan regular. You get the idea. We start with what we know and then we slowly add to the list. As we get familiar with substitutions and new preparations and ingredients we have on hand and that we enjoy. Now, tip number three is to visit a health food store if one is available where you live. When I first started using vegan cookbooks, and this was part of my <laughs> sort of failed first attempt, again, not failed, but in my, my first, let's call it my first attempt at going vegan. And I was trying out new recipes and I couldn't find most of the ingredients. Things have changed quite a bit. I, for example, had never see, even seen tofu at my regular supermarket. They didn't sell that in regular supermarkets when I went vegan. But granted, this was a while ago. <laughs> Times have certainly changed and most staples you can find in regular supermarkets these days. But still, health food stores were the original vegan supermarkets where lots of delicious plant-based ingredients were sold. Even if you can find vegan staples at your local store, aside from the beautiful bounty of naturally vegan fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, spices that are everywhere. I think it's a really great idea to visit a health food store or a vegan store to start recognizing new ingredients and products that will soon become familiar ingredients and regulars and favorites. You can use the app or the website Happy Cow or happycow.net to find some of those stores, health food stores, vegan stores, vegan-friendly stores, also vegan-friendly restaurants and fully vegan restaurants near your area. Buy some vegan alternatives for some of the usuals you have in your fridge right now and start swapping them out and see how you feel. Try different brands. And you might also find that these can easily and seamlessly fit in with the meals you're already used to making, and that can be hugely helpful. And it's where you're going to find some of the delicious flavor bombs that we use in vegan cooking, things like miso paste and nutritional yeast and tamari soy sauce, some of the more unusual flours you might want to try experimenting with, some of the more unusual grains or not your typical beans. There are so many things, things like tempeh and tofu and so many delicious goodies that you'll find in these stores. And of course, now the sky's the limit when it comes to vegan alternatives. Now, tip number four is to meal prep or batch cook some of these staples that I'm going to mention for really easy meal planning throughout the week. Because we're trying to cook and build our meals in a slightly new way. And having some staples that are already cooked or prepped in your refrigerator when you get home from work so that you open it up and you already have part or all of the work done for you, it's going to be hugely helpful. So I'm going to give you a brief run through of what this particular habit looks like for me. And it varies through the seasons and through the stages of my life and how busy I am. But it's sort of stayed very similar throughout the years for me, which goes, I don't know, it tells me that I've really sort of found the staples that really help save me time and the things that I are always go-tos for me. So when I have very little time, I choose some or all of these. I trim vegetables when I come home from the farmer's market or the store. I reorganize the fridge. So I put any leftover vegetables or fruit from the previous week 
to the front and the newest produce toward the back, especially if I'm buying the same items, just so I know that these need to be used up first. I wash and dry heads of lettuce and place the leaves in a container with a couple of paper towels to help absorb moisture. This helps tremendously because it helps you add greens to so many of your meals. Even if you weren't planning a big salad, it's ready. It's right there. You just have to grab it. I chop some vegetables and I leave them chopped in a container to use in quick stir fries or to add to salads. I also quickly look at what I have and I write a small list with some of the meal ideas that came to me while I was picking these vegetables and options and while I was shopping and that I can make throughout the week based on what I bought. That way I am able to use up everything and I have a lot less food waste and I have ideas at the ready. If you're doing the planning before you go shopping and you already know what meals you're going to buy, what meals you're going to make and what ingredients you need to buy for those meals, I still recommend that when you come home from the store, you look at that list because chances are you thought of some other ideas for snacks or meals, or you bought some sort of last minute purchases and you're going to forget to write them down. (laughs) Now, when I have a little more time, I choose some of these. And I say some because this is something I do on my free time. And so I'm not the kind of person that's going to spend half a day in the kitchen preparing these staples for the week ahead. I'm also not the kind of person that already builds up the full meals for the rest of the week. It doesn't go that well with my personality or the way I like to eat throughout the week, which is really choosing what sounds good, what will be filling depending on how hungry I am. And I just like more flexibility. So I choose some of these depending on the time I have. I cook a pot of beans or lentils for the week. And I change these up from week to week to add variety. I cook up a pot of either brown rice or quinoa or another grain that I love. I sometimes, because I'm not always, I'm not always a smoothie person, but when I'm into really into smoothies, I freeze some fruits in baggies already, all the different kinds of fruits and maybe even the spinach or kale that I'm going to put in my smoothies and just pack them up in individual baggies to just add to my blender with some non-dairy milk. Or, and this I love and I rarely do because I always forget, but I love it when I remember to do it, I prepare a quick fruit salad for the next few days. So delicious. (laughs) Now, something that I always do is I make a salad dressing and also a topping for veggie bowls. Something like a chopped salsa or guacamole or pesto or a cashew dip or hummus or my absolute new favorite, it's in our online program for our members, is our high-protein herb dipping sauce made with silken tofu. I've become addicted to this sauce. I love it so much. I also sometimes make a pasta sauce with canned tomatoes and lots of vegetables, or I alternatively make a pot of soup or a stew with tons of veggies and greens. I always try to roast a huge tray of vegetables, including potatoes and sweet potatoes, leeks, beets, onions, peppers, broccoli, anything I have on hand. I sometimes also take the time to toast some nuts and seeds, and then I have those ready in a jar to top yogurt or have as snacks throughout the week or when I'm cooking and I'm really hungry and I just want to snack on something while dinner is ready. 
I might also marinate or cook up some tofu to have with salads or bowls or noodles for the week ahead. And just in case you've never heard of it before, we have a full on free tofu cooking course at bromble.com. You can enroll 100% for free and learn so many delicious tofu recipes and all of the basics of cooking tofu in there. And once again, with this sort of more in-depth method, I quickly look at what I have. I write a small list with some of the meal ideas that came to me while I was picking these ingredients up at the store and shopping and also the ones I was thinking of when I was preparing these sort of separate components. I write those down. So I have them right there next to the food on my fridge door to look at or in the notes app on my phone. Now, tip number five is to pick a vegan recipe and make it a date with yourself. Get a vegan cookbook that you're excited about getting. Make one of our recipes or Google or use Pinterest to find any recipe your heart desires by just searching for any dish you love with the word vegan in front of it. So you can search for vegan shepherd's pie, vegan pancakes, vegan lasagna, and just try to make it a fun date and one that is all about reconnecting with yourself and this very special moment of preparing the foods you will eat. Put on some music, a fun film in the background, listen to a podcast you love. If possible, because we really do tend to stick to new habits more when we link them to a time or a place, do it on the same day every week or get into the habit of writing it down in your planner at the start of the week so that it's planned for and you have that moment there in which you're going to be experimenting with a new recipe. That's how we build up all of our repertoire of meals. We start really getting in there. I know that we're now with social media inundated with recipes and ways of preparing foods. If we aren't actually getting in the kitchen and practicing those skills, it's just sort of distraction and and content. It really hasn't made an effect in our lives in the way we hope that it would. So really take what you're learning, but make something. Get in the kitchen and make something. Now, tip number six is to learn about the basics of a vegan plate and basic nutrient requirements with one simple resource. And I've mentioned it in basically all of our latest episodes, and it's the Vegan for Life food guide. Previously, it was known as the plant plate, and I'm, I'm linking to both of those visual guides in the show notes. These were created by registered dietitian nutritionist Jack Norris and Virginia Messina, and they are such great visuals to just really wrap your heads around very, very basics of vegan nutrition and what delicious goodies should be a part of your plate most often without a focus on just worrying excessively or restriction or just like a militant regime of, of getting all of those in every single meal. Knowing that our plates will look a little bit different from day to day, but trying to include all of the basic food groups and nutrient sources and to supplement when needed, this this guide really helps you sort of wrap your head around the very sort of basics, especially the previous visual the, called the plant plate. It had this visual reminder of your vitamin B12 supplement a source of iodine, like using iodized salt in your cooking, getting some sun for vitamin D or supplementing and all that good stuff. And of course, they've got books and resources in their websites. Everything regarding their work is linked in your resource library at ramble.com. So go check it out. Now, tip number seven is to, very important, don't 
Don't try to be what I call a food superhero or make too many changes at once. This is another reason many new vegans leave this way of eating behind. They've become either too rigid with food rules, too regimented with other dietary restrictions that have little to do with veganism and more to do with this pursuit of purity or based on food fears, you know, just excessive worry about certain foods and consuming these foods. So just by focusing on using the food guide and and getting those basic nutrient needs met, knowing where most of these sources are going to come from, you can learn the basics and you can also remember, this is what I want to teach you in this tip, that we are going to have space in our lives, in our eating lives for healthy nutrient dense foods and also enjoyable, delicious foods that are fun, that help you feel like a normal eater, and that I would say are also healthy because of that as well. They're good for your mental health, which means they're also healthy. So it's all about being able to move forward with this change without excessive worry, without excessive restriction, because it really doesn't need to be there. My next step has to do with meal building and where to start as a jumping off point. Sometimes we can feel overwhelmed with all of the nutritional information that we're seeing when we first get started with this change. We are also getting used to building our meals in a new way. And so I like to give you a jumping off point where you can begin the process of figuring out what you're going to make for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, etc. And it's to start with your protein source. At least for your main meals, go ahead and use that as a jumping off point. And if you can, squeeze in some in those snacks as well. Often thinking about this when building meals makes the job a little bit easier. So pick your source of protein first and then look at the visual guides that I mentioned before for ideas on how to round out the meal. This can look like oatmeal or an oat porridge or overnight oats, for example, made with soy milk and some fruit or your favorite toppings. It can be toast with peanut butter and preserves and coffee with soy milk. It can be a salad with smoky tempeh bacon for lunch, for example. It can be a vegan three bean chili or peanut noodles with tofu and lots of vegetables for dinner or a veggie burger. You can also add some delicious snacks with or without a protein source to continue building out your day. And I think find that this really helps in the beginning when it comes to building meals. Soon it becomes sort of second nature and you're already going to have an image of the full meal coming to you. But when you're building it from components, I find that it is extremely helpful. And often when you're settled in with the step, I like to add an additional reminder because it's what I always tend to forget to add. And it's those dark green leafy vegetables that provide that boost of calcium. So things like kale and collard greens and bok choy, broccoli. I mentioned these in one of our most recent episodes as being really important because they're going to be part of where your calcium intake is going to come from apart from fortified foods, things like fortified plant-based milks and stuff. So after I think of my protein, I immediately now have gotten into the habit of thinking, 
what what grains do I have? What am I going to add? And then I continue building up from there. And sometimes that first, that jumping off point immediately makes me think of the rest of the components in terms of grains, in terms of nuts or seeds or any other, you know, a pasta, noodles, a wrap, anything else, because it already sort of orients me to what goes well with what I'm choosing. Now, my next tip is going to sound like a broken record, something you've probably read and seen countless times. And it's one of those words that I think has (laughs) slowly lost its meaning. So I want to add a little nuance to it. This tip is basically to find your peeps, find supporters, find your cheerleaders or find community. And community means a lot of different things for me. And I've seen it work in a lot of different ways for people. One of the biggest reasons people struggle with veganism is that they feel a bit of isolation if no one from their immediate circle decides to join them on this adventure or might even be resistant or angry about this change in their eating. It helps so much to know and understand that these are issues that are not only happening to you. They're not yours alone, that other vegans struggle with resistant family members too, or have cravings for familiar foods too, or have slip ups and setbacks on their journey too. Community can mean finding vegans in your area to try out vegan restaurants with or create a supper club with. But for my fellow introverts out there, or people who live in areas where you really can't find community in person. This can also mean reading the comments of a blog you love and supporting each other, joining in-person or online vegan cooking classes or a program or a course, listening to a vegan podcast and engaging with their fellow listeners through social media, especially if questions, stories, and struggles from listeners are shared in podcasts, it's a great way to find a little bit of connection when you first get started, even if there isn't a real interaction. Now, the idea is to slowly guide you to a real interaction, but this is a great place to get started. By real interaction, I mean an in-person interaction and finding people that you can meet up with and see in person. There's nothing that can substitute that, but These are ways in which you can start finding people. I can't tell you how many of my dearest, amazing vegan friends, and you know who you are, and you're probably listening to this, how many I've met after an interaction on social media, and they've become just dear lifelong friends. But here's an even more important tip, community can also mean finding that one friend who, even if not vegan themselves, loves supporting you and is more than happy to try new things. You don't have to go through this change alone. And sometimes the best community is the people you already have in your life and finding a way to help them understand why this is so important to you and give them a little time to really find a way to be there for you. So many people will step out up to the plate. So many of my dear, dear friends are not vegan themselves and they are so supportive and understanding and love going to vegan restaurants with us, love spending time and cooking vegan meals when we come over. And these are my people. These are my family. And so community can also be found in the people in our circles that don't share the same way of eating, but that understand where we're coming from. 
And of course, you always have a space here at Brownville to come and share your stories, your struggles, your triumphs. I'm always here for you. Finally, tip number 10. And this is perhaps the most important one when we are beginners, but it is also very important when we've been vegan for a while. And it's to do your research into your why or the reason why you made this change. And if possible, make it about much more than just you. I can give you countless practical tips for going vegan, but if your heart isn't in it, if you aren't full of motivation and a deep and important reason why, it's going to be harder to stick to this new way of eating and living in in a world that is still mostly not vegan and where you might have people that are not really getting what you're doing. For me, this reason, as you know, was the animals. Then I learned more and it also became about the rights of our fellow humans. Then I also learned more and I grew my understanding of sustainability and the environment. I also learned about all of the benefits that it could have to my health. Every time you have to make a choice, whether it ends up being quote unquote perfect or not, keeping your motivation close to you is going to be so helpful. Learn as much as you can about it. It will help keep you moving forward. It's important to know why you're doing this big change and to just really hold that motivation close. It's going to help you understand that this way of eating isn't about perfect choices every single time, but about a journey in which we try to help as much as we can. And yes, that's what we're doing in all of these areas, regardless of what your motivation for going vegan is. We are helping. We are helping our health. We are helping to protect the environment. We are helping our fellow humans. We are helping animals. It will help you remember why you decided to try it and why you, with all of your wonderful traits and goals achieved and missteps, triumphs, good and bad days, are an important part of creating this change in the world. And I can't tell you how important this is. I think that sometimes vegans that have been vegan for a while, it sort of becomes so much a second nature that they often forget why they did this originally. And I think it's also part of the reason why a lot of people eventually end up leaving this way of eating behind. They lose contact and touch with that big reason why. And it's something that I always try to keep present. I always try to remind myself why it is that I am doing this because when you are in situations where making the choice is complicated or a little bit harder, it eases up the pressure to be perfect, but it also reminds you that, hey, you know, you're doing this big thing. You can pat yourself on the back. You can keep on trying as many times as it takes you. Because the reason why you're doing this is important to you. It's connected to your value systems. It's connecting to something that you really want to accomplish and change that is very oftentimes when we're on this vegan path about much more than just us. And I think it's very helpful to keep those reasons close. Now we're going to be going into some of the most common reasons why and sources of motivation in an upcoming updated series in the podcast called our Why Vegan series. A lot of you knew it very well from our old podcast. 
and we're giving it a big update and revamp and we're bringing it back with lots of new information. But apart from what you'll hear there and apart from the many things you've probably read if you're listening to this podcast and it got you curious about this way of eating and of living, most of us know, right? We know what is lighting that little fire inside of us to make a change like this. So do some research, learn about it, read up on it. It's what will ultimately propel you forward and more importantly, make it something you spend enough time doing that it becomes second nature and no longer is this big, big issue, just an usual part of who you are, but an important part of who you are because you're holding that reason very close. These tips are just really a jumping off point, very beginner tips in some cases, but know that our podcast is full of other tips. It's going to continue to be full of other tips. Our blog is full of articles and additional resources to help you on your journey to this more sustainable way of eating, giving the animals and our beautiful planet a chance for a new future and us in return. It's a big thing you're doing. It's an important thing. And I'm very grateful that you came to spend this time with us today. And I hope these tips helped you. I am going to be back with more in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us reach more people who are interested in making more vegan choices and need some support. Remember that you can find all of the show notes, links, and many additional resources for this episode in the description below. And of course, don't forget to visit brownbull.com to learn more about our online courses, recipes, and blog posts. Till next time, everyone. 